Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke. And today we're in chapter 5, verses 27 through 39. And Dave, I'm expecting great things from, from you since you <laughs> preached on this passage this weekend. Um, but uh, just to start it off, I, uh, I, I did preface this a uh, couple days ago saying that uh, the first healing in this series of healings, Jesus does seem to go by the book in essence, but everything after that seems to violate somebody's sense of what is right and wrong or what their expectations are. And often Jesus is very intentional about breaking with those expectations. So Luke chapter five, verses 27 through 36, 30, 39, uh, where we read this. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment, for then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Dave, I have to say that uh, your sermon this Sunday was very memorable. Uh, I think it was a great sermon. But more than anything, I think it was the images of the goat skins packed to the gills with wine. And then the the brittle goat skin, uh, the old goat skin, uh, that is really going to stick with people. Because I just heard so many people talking about that. Uh, after uh, service. So uh, maybe we can say more about that as well. But uh, again, continuing in this series of healings, uh, the first one, you know, the healing of the leper was done by the book, but everyone else, every other thing that Jesus seems to do in this uh, chapter and, and following seems to violate somebody's expectations, somebody's rules. And, and here where there's a distinction between fasting and feasting and the people are complaining uh, that Jesus's disciples do seem to be doing a lot of feasting. First, it was at the uh, Levi's uh, house and, and then feasting with the wrong kind of people, these other tax collectors who are regarded as uh, like traitors, the worst kind of like, as, as it translates it here, uh, scum. Um, and interestingly enough, I think a lot of people can come away with this idea that the Bible, or at least maybe the Old Testament is just full of fasting and, and kind of self-reproach and, and, and all of that. And actually, if you look at it, there are far more uh, commanded feasts than there are commanded fasts in the Old Testament. Uh, the Bible has a, a number of feasts. And in fact, uh, there's another scene where um, people begin to enter into a time of mourning and, and 
presumably the same spirit is fasting in the book of Nehemiah, but it's actually during a time where there is a commanded feast and they're supposed to be celebrating and Nehemiah stops them all and says, no, 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 you can't do this. This is a, a, a mitzvah, an obligation. We have, we are, we are under a duty to celebrate. It's really important that we celebrate. And so they put off the time of, of sackcloth and ashes and fasting uh, and, and all of that kind of um, uh, the rituals surrounding uh, repentance. But, but still given that there, you know, fasting is a widespread practice at this time. And we're told uh, some sources seem to indicate that Pharisees uh, fasted, not just once a week, but twice a week. Uh, they're kind of like spiritual overachievers. Um, but in the case of a wedding feast, again, this is another one of those mitzvahs. This is one of those obligations. You are not allowed not only not to fast, but to do any type of public grieving. And you're not even allowed to work a full day in the fields. Like it's a week long feast. And of course, you know, in these small towns, people would still have to tend to their farm and their animals and things like that during that week. And, and so they would, but they were to do the minimum amount of work necessary because the real focus was to celebrate with this couple as they had bonded their lives together, brought, brought two families together and two people who are not blood related in a covenant have now become uh, spiritually a, a blood relationship, a family together. And so we're supposed to celebrate all this at the same time. So Jesus uses that particular example and says, you know, that in essence, he is the groom and this is the time to be celebrating. And there will be a time when the groom is taken away and they will fast. But I guess one last point about here is that by claiming to be the groom, I think that Jesus is making a, a, an implicit claim to deity. He's putting himself in the position where he, like God in the Old Testament, is, is the groom or is the husband and Israel, the people, is, is the bride. And he's saying he's the groom. And I think this comparison actually is an implicit claim to Jesus being God, being deity. I imagine this would have offended them the more they thought about it. But in any case, he's already offended them enough and, and lays this at their feet that the idea that uh, not only is he not violating their laws, uh, he's actually following a more important law um, to, be, uh, to have his disciples feasting at this time as, as well. Uh, anyway, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage, and especially if there was anything that you uh, wished you had said differently in the sermon, or maybe things that ended up on the cutting room floor that you wish you could have had time to address. No, you know, I, I loved actually studying this passage. I think one of the real fun parts about uh, preaching is that it, it sometimes just forces me to work harder. Uh, which is to say, you know, as I'm reading devotionally, sometimes I can be tempted. I think probably a lot of us are just, you hear it, you take it at face value and you keep moving. Um, but I think sometimes I don't always do the work of really digging in and, and asking hard questions. What does this really mean? Uh, and especially where Jesus is a very clever teacher. And as I pointed out, I actually feel like, uh, not feel like I'm convinced that uh, in verses 31 and 32, where he's asking about the healthy people who don't need a doctor and, and the righteous people who don't need to repent, he's actually being ironic. He's you know, being a little, uh, he's, I, the word I used in the sermon was cheeky. Um, and, and that there, there's supposed to be a little something here that uh, is, is a little kind of subtle dig that the, the Pharisees and the teachers of law should have heard and they missed. And, and I bring that up because I think, again, it's so easy for us to denigrate them. Uh, and yet I think they were very earnest believers and they missed it. Just like for so many years, me reading this passage, I missed it. Uh, and it's because they thought they already knew what they were going to see there. 
I thought I already knew what I was going to see here. Uh, and especially when that, that comes to the, the new wine, old wine skin uh, idea, I sort of had a, a just a baseline understanding. And what was funny to me is that once I really was digging into this passage, and you know, when I'm preaching a passage, I, I get to I know many weeks in advance what it's going to be and just sit with it, read it again and again and again and, and pray and talk to people. And it's just, you know, and this it's like a long conversation. And when I came to realize, wow, I've had this all wrong. Uh, you know, I've, I've misunderstood that. I went back and said, well, how did I, I was now then curious, how did I get this misunderstanding? And I went back to lots and lots and lots of different commentaries and found the same misreading. Uh, or, or I think the same, it, it's a superficial reading, uh, right? It was, it was not that it was wrong. It, it was inadequate. It was missing a big piece. Uh, and, and I did find a couple of places, although interestingly, every source that I found that read this right, interestingly enough, and this, I, you know, you take this for what it's worth. Um, I, I read two sources that are, uh, they're messianic Christians, which is to say they're, or Messianic Jews, which is to say they're Christians, but who completely embrace the, the Jewish identity, worldview, all that kind of stuff. So they just understand themselves as Jews who follow Jesus. But anyway, I just think it's a reminder. Uh, you think of how many times have I read this passage? And, and yet this time coming back to it, as I was really kind of here to listen, because I want to listen really well, digest it for myself. And then out of that, hopefully have something to share with the church. Uh, in listening to it again, the Spirit spoke to me something brand new, something I had not heard before, but was very important for me to hear. And, and I think as I've shared it with other people this past week, I think a lot of other people had a very similar reaction. Like, wow, that's different than I heard before. And it was really important for them to hear. Um, and I just think, what a marvelous thing. But it reminds me of this. <coughs> We're told that the, the Word of God is living and active. And I think this comes down to a devotional point that, that, uh, that as we read the scriptures, that there's a way to do it that I think I can just bring my intellectual faculties and say, okay, well, I'm going to ask, well, what's the history? You know, what's the context? How do I understand these verbs? You know, all that kind of stuff. And in our case, John, because of just the training that we've had, we have more theological background. We're going to have some language skills with the original languages. All of that's helpful. And I think that's good to do. And it's completely inadequate. It's essential, but inadequate. Uh, in that, I think, yes, I want to bring all of those tools. I want to bring my full self. But I actually read the scriptures with the spirit and understanding that the word of God isn't the things on the page. The, the, the capital W, word of God, well, that's living and active. And so that's actually, I, I come to the scriptures in an attempt to, to have a conversation with God to listen and to respond. And, and then I'll find, and it, it, this was a, a case where I feel like I had misunderstood something for a long time. Generally, that's not the case. What I generally find is I understood it at one level, uh, and then I come back to it at, at, you know, at another level that's just so much richer for me. And I, I'll come back again in two years, and that same passage, God will speak something new to it, uh, new, new to me through it, which was always there, but I wasn't ready to hear it yet, right? God knows sort of, okay, David, this is the time you're going to be ready to hear now this piece. And I think I liken it to the fact in my kids' curriculum, and I'm sure there's lots of other things like this, they studied World War II 
and the Holocaust again and again and again throughout their school curriculum, right? You know, elementary school up to high school. And you kind of think, you guys haven't gotten very far. You're still talking about the same things you were talking about all those years ago. But every time as, as they've matured, as they've learned, they're coming back at a much deeper, richer level. The, the stories are becoming more nuanced and more, more complete. And of course, there's people going to get PhDs in these things. And I think the same thing is true much more so with the scriptures, because it's not just learning in that case, right? Just the intellectual exercise. But it's as I change, God now is ready to teach me things at a new level. So anyway, I just hope that what this does is has us coming into the scriptures eager to hear new things. See, this is the irony. I came to this passage about new wine and actually received new wine through my interaction with the Spirit in this passage. And so as I've opened up the scriptures, every time I always begin by praying, God, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to meet you. And, and I think that's how we experience getting new wine. But we'll only get it if we're willing to be open to the reality that I don't know everything. I'm here to be filled. I'm flexible. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to be challenged. And I, so, and I think that's how we have this pliable wine skin that's ready to receive new wine. And of course, the the opposite is exactly why Jesus's opponents can't seem to understand what he's doing and why he's doing it, because exactly. they are rigid, they are brittle, and and what he's doing is is breaking them. It's it, it breaks all their understanding, and they're not willing to learn. That's right. Well, that's right. Spilling Dave, the wine and ruining the skins, as Jesus says in, in verse thirty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, would you be willing to pray for us that we would be like new wine and new wine skins, that we'd be supple and 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 uh, ready to receive God in a flexible way. Yes. Lord, we want to drink deeply of you. We want to be filled anew with, with not just knowledge about you, but with you, your Holy Spirit living inside us more and more filling us. God, I pray much more than learning about the book of Luke this year. Lord, I pray that we would have an encounter with you through the book of Luke this year. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for joining us and may God's word and spirit continue to stretch and cause you to grow. Go in peace.